And the Red Agenda is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favourite online betting company. By downloading the Bet365 app, you can access both pre-match and in-play markets, along with instant match updates for all games. The Bet365 Bet Builder also allows you to make personalised bets via the app, so you can bet on multiple scenarios and create your own bet with unique odds right there in your hands. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store, over 18s only. Please gamble responsibly. Okay, we pulled out all the stops to bring you the red agenda this week. Uh, I'm Steve Hothersall, James Pearson, Simon Hughes here. As always, we would normally record 450 feet above the Liverpool skyline in the Radio City Tower, but uh, due to restrictions we've had to relocate to uh, James's favourite cafe on Bold Street <laughs> which is Leaf we wanted to make sure it happened this week didn't we guys we're fighting on <laughs> just we? just about we had to pull Simon out of his house to make sure he came here to talk about <laughs> Liverpool but uh, so much on the agenda don't forget of course before we start there is plenty of content on theathletic.com loads of great articles um, at the moment boys you, you've written on a couple of things uh, do you want to just single one out before we get going uh, yeah over the weekend well I had a bit of bit of a pop at Karen Brazy for their comments and it's not just here really there's a lot of people in football who are trying to manoeuvre themselves into advantageous positions at the moment with, with, with the uncertainty that's going on and I just think you know it's time to, to, to pause and think what's what's happening really in, in football and you know the world um, there seems to be certainly a healthy number of people who, who just want to cancel the season but what's the point in that when you don't even know when next season is going to start yet they might as well just stop and think about the way forward rather than rushing to any decisions so um, whilst politicians I think have to make quick decisions I don't think football necessarily has a responsibility to at this moment um, it really needs to think about the direction so th- that's what I wrote about over the weekend and Working on a couple of other pieces for this week. I met with. Um, I don't want to give too much away, I guess, because somebody else might take the idea. I don't know, but I met with Jamie Carragher last week, and we, we had a good chat about amateur football in Liverpool. Mm. Um, so that'll be going up later this week. Uh, we've got loads of content All ideas. Right. We're not short. We're not short of stuff. Yeah. James got a good idea for you. Go and give Jamie Carragher a ring. Talk about. <laughs> 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 what have you written on? Um, well, obviously, no Merseyside derby to to cover on Monday night. So instead. I uh, sifted through the Liverpool mailbag, loads of loads and loads of good questions from subscribers about um, various issues, right from transfers through to the current mood in the camp as the players train at home and um, and, and try and make the best of all the you know what, what is a very difficult situation for everyone at the moment. So that's that's been published today, and then um, I also had a, a, a really enjoyable couple of hours in the company of Sammy Lee. Um, at the back end of last week that will get published in the next couple of days and um, yeah, fascinating listening to him you know, a, you know, a guy obviously was a Liverpool legend in terms of what he achieved at the club and then you know, three decades in, in coaching under a whole host of, of top managers you know loads of, of fascinating tales and of course you know, controversial in a way going to work for Everton under Sam Allardyce and you know he talked really well about the decision behind that and the fallout from it and also the fact that you know two years on from leaving Everton He's still waiting for that phone to ring for another coaching job. So, um, yeah, hopefully that'll be a, a good read for people a bit later on in the week. Brilliant. Can't wait to see it. Um, I just want to pick out something that Ollie Kay's written this week. He's talking about the, the Premier League being brought to a standstill and the, and the finance that goes around it. He's done a really good piece. Um, so finance or emotion? Let's get on to the, the conversation that sort of dominates for Liverpool fans at present. Obviously, when you're talking about the Premier League as a whole, a lot of the clubs are looking at the financial implications. We as Liverpool supporters are looking at the emotional implication of not finishing the season as it stands. We understand there's bigger things than football. I think, you know, we need to lay that down straight away. It's obvious, isn't it? Uh, But when it comes to football itself, so close and yet yet so far, (laughs) Simon. Well, uh, uh, first things first, I think Liverpool's response uh, to the situation has been first class really I've never been one to to praise Liverpool quickly really on you know matters of any level of importance I guess but I, th- I think that in this instance you know Jurgen Klopp's really taking a lead on the way people should sort of approach what, what's happening so um, naturally I mean a, a huge sort of 
don't want to say disappointment's not the right word. I think it's just um, everybody just feels a bit flat, don't they? You know, frustration, frustrated, yeah, frustrated. I think you've got to choose your words carefully because, as you say, there's 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 a bigger issue at play here. Um, you know, I just think that the you know at this stage, Liverpool. Um, I've had an absolutely fantastic season and I know there's a lot of people saying well he should just be given the title but I don't really agree with that either I, I just think that in the in the medium to long term for football's sort of credibility they've got to try and find a way if they can to finish this season and exhaust all of those avenues for as long as they, they possibly can before arriving at a decision as I said there's no need to to, to um to make a hasty decision about the way forward yet, I don't think, because this is going to be in play for, for a number of weeks, if not months. So, Yeah, patience is patience paramount. We're, we're not near any point, are we? I mean, I, I wrote in the article about, you know, is this the opportunity for football to to really think about how it's scheduled? I mean, I know Jurgen Klopp's complains a lot about the schedule in a football, but, you know, is it an opportunity to think about when, we, when the football calendar is 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 played? You know, does it have to be a winter calendar? Could could we switch to the summer? I know there's lots of concerns around other sports, cricket, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but I think it's definitely worth the conversation. I mean, I, I touching on what Ollie Ollie has written. You know, I think if you look at the the very bottom of the game, you know, the, the winter uh, and the the the, the, the cl- climate change has a massive impact on on football. Um, you know, the, the amateur game goes months and months and months and months without games now. You know, and and not only that, I think over the last sort of five years, it's been increasing number of lower league games that have been cancelled. I'm not saying that this is the way forward, but I think that it's certainly merited discussion, and there's time to have that discussion. I I, I think if the the one good thing that could come out of this is the authorities finally getting together and talking about about the, the challenges that they face, because as Ollie's written, you know that it shouldn't. Football shouldn't collapse at the first sign of crisis, but it looks like it could. There are clubs that could go to the wall off the back of this. Football's not immune. And I also must say as well, you know, it's the Premier League's got to think about it because there's a perception that the, the Premier League or the Premier League will be all right. But the Premier League, despite the vast amounts of money washing about, still relies on the TV revenues coming from Sky. So if Sky decide that they aren't going to back the Premier League. There's a lot of clubs that could find themselves in big problems very quickly because they can't pay the bills. You know, so it's it's not it's not just the lower league teams or amateur football, it's the Premier League as well. And they, people making hasty decisions, oh, just an older season, you know, because they might save their own skins. I just think that's terrible. That. I was, like, really angry about that. I know people could say, well, you're only saying this from a Liverpool perspective because... You know, obviously, you want Liverpool to do well, but if I thought that way, I'd say just give Liverpool a title. I don't think that's the way forward. I think you need to stop and think about uh, about everything and 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 have proper dialogue between all the authorities, and hopefully, eventually, they'll come to the right decision. But it's got to be within the framework of a of a of a world that they can't predict. So it's so got to be difficult. it's got to be a collective and, and fair discussion. Um, on that point, and for a lot of Liverpool fans, they'd be thinking it's so important that the season gets finished. Yeah. How relevant is that to the conversation? Massively, yeah, I, I, I agree with Simon. I, I, I'm not, I don't go along with the idea that Liverpool should just be given the title because, you know, mathematically, it's it's not definite. And and by the same token, you know, this idea that the season should be just null and voided to me is an absolute nonsense. I, I think you have to finish this season regardless of when football starts again and whether. You know, there's been so much talk, and I've read it from pundits, and you know, quite a few pundits who clearly have got an agenda against Liverpool, saying, you know, we'll just just accept this season is just wiped from the the history books, if you want, and we just start afresh in August. Well, why do we have to start afresh in August? Why why are people so bothered about next season? That's the integrity of all those competitions relies on completing this season, and that, I think that's whether you know, obviously, we're, I'm sure by the time this podcast has come out, we're the Euros will have been officially put back a year, which obviously creates space in the calendar for Premier League games to potentially be played in June, if not July. Um, you know, at, at the moment, we we just don't know. You know, everyone wants answers, don't they? There's been so much speculation, so many options 
put on the table. But nobody knows how this pandemic is gonna gonna play out. And if anyone says they do, you know, they're, they're lying. You know, let's not forget, you, know, you had a situation last Thursday night where, what was it, 10 p.m., the Premier League put a statement out saying all games are going ahead as normal this weekend. Half 10, Arsenal put out a statement saying Mikel Arteta's got the coronavirus. And then, you know, obviously, and then, you know, you know, of course, within minutes, it's absolutely crystal clear. No Premier League football is going to happen. So everyone just needs to take a step back and, and weigh things up. But there's, the implications go way beyond Liverpool being crowned Premier League champions. You know, we're, you know, quite rightly, you know, you look at teams like Leeds. How, you know, imagine trying to explain to them that oh, yeah, there'll just be no promotion and relegation this season. We're wiping this season. We'll start again in August. You, you can't do that. And the same for the teams that you know, around the bottom of the, of the Premier League at the moment, that has to play out. And whether that, whether that's, you know, I know at the moment football's only suspended until April the 3rd. Well, I think we know without a shadow of a doubt it's going to go on a lot longer a lot than longer, that. Yeah, there's it? no, absolutely no chance of, you know, officially Liverpool's next fixture is Man City away on April the 5th, which, you know, if that was to go ahead, Liverpool win that, they win the title. But, you know, privately, you know, people at any level of the game will tell you there's, there's zero chance of that of that fixture being played. I mean, I, I spoke to a, a lot of people over the weekend at different levels of the game, and it did seem to me at that stage, you know, the common sense was prevailing a little bit. You know, people were thinking a bit more rather than speaking. Um, and one person, who, you know, quite reasonably high up in in English football, was was saying, you know, why don't we just say, well, you know, is it the, the World Cup? in 2022 is going to be a winter competition. FIFA have bent over backwards to allow a country to host that in, in, in the wintertime. So why don't we work towards that from this point onwards and and, and give, give it the rest of the year to finish this season off and then start afresh next year? I mean, I don't... It, it, it's an extraordinary time and sometimes it might call... You know, there might be call for extraordinary solutions. But people don't seem to be able to get it out of their heads. You know, the... the the football season might not start in August, might not start in September, might not even start in October. You just don't know. So I think that, you know, there's got, to, as I said, there's got to be proper dialogue between all of the authorities and openness. Um, and, and, and you know, hopefully they'll find a way forward for, for the greater good. I just think that finishing this season, you can't start a new season and expect people to be excited about a new season when... I, I, I feel that there's got to be a way that they've got to try and make make it feel like at least the, the football clubs and supporters aren't missing out with the decision that they're making this season. If it feels like lots of people are missing out, it's going to harbour a lot of resentment and that resentment will linger for a long time. So, you know, what, what, whether that might be, I don't know, no relegations and just promotions, I don't know. That That's just one idea. And, and are you thinking there's a cut-off point? Is there any time limit that should go around this or is it all I think fluid? Got to give it for the rest. It's fluid, but I think I think they should be thinking about giving themselves to the rest of the year to, to finish this mm. season one way or another. You know, equally, they've got to be thinking about, you know, Jürgen Klopp might not like this, but I'm sure he won't mind given the, the circumstances. You know, there might have to be a, a higher concentration of games in a shorter period of time than, than most managers would like to finish the mm. season. Um, I mean, if it was simply thrown at the feet of Jurgen Klopp, and it, he was suggest it was suggested to him, look, play it all behind closed doors and do it within a, a couple of weeks. I just don't is, it, is it necessary? Satisfactory? Do, do you end up disappointed with the scenario? I, I, I think the behind closed doors thing. I, I think most people in football, it seems to me, are realizing that's not really an option. You know, because certainly in the in the lower leagues, the clubs rely on the match day revenues. Um, they also need the season to finish because, as I said, it's it is a financial the real financial world whether we like it or not. Sky pays huge amounts of money to the Premier League to 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 film uh, to film their products. The season doesn't get finished if games aren't being played. The league doesn't get paid, which means the clubs don't get paid, which means that the solidarity payments don't trickle down, which means that the whole thing collapses very quickly. So they need to finish the se- they need to find a way to finish the season. It's in everybody's interest to make sure that they finish the season. And then think, you know, think mm. at the same time about can we make this world can we make the football world, as Ollie says, not as it just feels very perilous, doesn't it? The whole thing. It yeah. hasn't taken very much to tip 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 tip, no. tip, tip everything feel tip everything over the edge or make it feel like it is. I mean, I know people generally are feeling that way. You know, you only need to look at businesses and I mean it's quite interesting in in the budget I noticed and I haven't written about this in in the the Tory budget and certainly not crediting them 
know we don't want to get too political, but they, I think they have um, put aside money for football, for, for football, uh, for, for sporting clubs in the budget. It hasn't been written about too much. I know people haven't made too much of a, a noise about it, but it's something that's definitely worth looking at. I just think that obviously they've got to sort out businesses and restaurants and everything else. There's a lot of people who feel at this moment in time, on Tuesday at midday, very uncertain about the whole thing, but that doesn't mean the football can't can't think independently and think about the way it's got the way it's going to be in the future. I think on the topic of behind closed doors, I think that's it's certainly a more attractive proposition for the Premier League than for the the teams lower down the pyramid. Because you look at the, I think Premier League clubs would look at that as you know as a necessary evil if if it means getting the season completed and getting playing football again because you, you look at their dependence on gate receipts is completely different yeah, to, to clubs yeah. in League One or League Two. I think, you know, Liverpool, I was looking at Liverpool's accounts that obviously only came out a few weeks ago and I think it's 16% of Liverpool's revenues come from uh, annual match day revenues. You know, it's 80-odd million out of 533 million. So it's, it's a it's a drop in the ocean, really. You know, the, the massive income drivers for Liverpool are the media revenues and the commercial stuff. So I think I think Premier League clubs, that that for them, if if it means getting football back, I, I think they, you know, that 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 would be better than not having football at all. But as Simon said, I don't think that's realistic for clubs at the at the bottom end of the pyramid because you know what what real benefit is that for them playing behind closed doors because they they rely so much on that on that turnstile cash. Well, it's a problem, is it, as a whole? I know Simon mentioned before about the finances and the and the payments. Do, do you understand when they trickle down? Is there is there a clause which says you have to finish the season to receive your full amount of revenue, or is, has that been at the, at the end of the day? If if Sky aren't able to screen matches and they're paying for a product, they're not going to pay for something that they're not getting any use out of, are they? Yeah, well, it's the same you for know, their subscribers so as well, because obviously. I know they've, they've been inundated with subscribers saying already, you know, BT and Sky, for people saying, well, hang on a minute, I pay you X amount. There's no sport on there. You're not giving me yeah. the sport that I pay for, I want. And they've said, we're not offering refunds because at the moment, every game has only been postponed. It's not been cancelled completely. So you w- we will still show those games, but further down the road. Now, obviously, the knock-on effect is if those games aren't taking place, then that leaves them open to that they haven't mm. fulfilled what people are are paying for so it is you know that that's another reason why I think they will have to find a way to complete these fixtures because as Simon said the knock-on effect of then those TV payments not being triggered um, I mean there's a whole host of issues on there because it is unprecedented I, I saw something going around on social media at the back end of last week saying that someone had, had screenshotted something I think from like some FA handbook saying if 75% of fixtures are completed then the, the placing stand if the rest of the game is can't but that doesn't that just simply doesn't apply to the Premier League. There is no rule for anything like this. There's no, there's there is no precedent for you know a, a global pandemic and how to handle it, um, and, and that is the issue. Trying to pick your way through it. You know, you've even got the situation where if games do drag on into July, where does that leave players like Adam Lallana and potentially someone like Nathaniel Kleiner are out of contract? You know, you know what? You know, do, are they loads of subplots? Got, yeah. Well, then you've yeah. got the transfer window officially opens. You can register new players on July the first. So. Could you effectively make signings in early July that then could actually play, you know, in in those remaining fixtures this season, or would they put the transfer window back? There's yeah, there's so many things, and, and it largely appears relevant now. But Liverpool will always have an asterisk next to its name. There is as, that as the season yeah. stands. There is that. I mean, Liverpool, as far as I'm concerned, you know what, you know, are the champions, and I don't think Liverpool fans would be. Yeah, no, I think I think they accept that. I mean, the one thing that I I, I always thought about when the you know what what, what it would be like for Liverpool to win the league that day, that moment when it finally clinched. You know, I've thought about that. I think I said it last week. You know, um, most days in my life, what's that day going to be like? And to not have a crowd, to not have a match when that happens, would be pretty. Um, Pretty disheartening, I think. Again, have you not, I, I have used, you not already lost that feeling? You, a little it, bit. It's yeah. impossible yeah, I, to, I use to that retain word, it. I use that word very carefully as well because, I, as I said, there's there's bigger things at play than, than Liverpool mm. winning the title, and I'm conscious of that. I mean, I've seen a few people, you know, sorts of saying, "Oh, one person, I won't name his na- name, but you know, a respected journalist saying it'd be hilarious if this happened to Liverpool." And I was like, "There's people, you know, without being too like sort of solemn about it, there are people dying here." You know, it's, that's not funny. It's I just 
I couldn't. I was very surprised. So it sort of shows you what Liverpool are up against as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think um, the one thing. I mean, uh, one thing I did think is that say they do get the season going next season, and say the, I would think from the players' point of view, and the manager's point of view. It would act, act as a massive motivation to go and do it again. You know, you know, like they, they'll really. I'd imagine they'll be the players. I mean, you've seen pictures of Genie Wine Alden. You know, like a bit cringy, I think sometimes. But but he he's the players are clearly going to be frustrated by this. You know, they work so hard to get here. So from a Liverpool perspective, if if um, if the season were to end or if they were to be crowned champions, I think that the players. Was have an absolute desperation to go and do it again because I, I always wondered what might happen with Liverpool after the, even when they do clinch a title and whether they'd be able to sustain it. But given the circumstances, I would think knowing the way this team is and the makeup of the mm. characters, it could act as a you know it might be reassuring for some Liverpool fans that you know when the, the when it gets going again and will go goes back to some normality, the players will be absolutely desperate to go and do you know to go and do what they've already done again. I would think because. You're not going to want to have one of the highest moments of your career snatched away from snatched you. Snatched away from so that, so it could it could you know in the long term. Um, but you could also make the argument that Manchester City might have the same sentiment in the fact that they think, yeah, how did we let it get away from us this season? So who who knows what it will do in terms of the longer term effect? But I know what you mean. It's, it's all speculative, and you're just trying to second guess how people feel and. Mm. You know, sometimes when you win something, you sort of let your guard down a little bit, don't you? It's, it's harder. Sometimes people say it's harder to win it the second time rather than the first time, don't they? But given the circumstances, I just know, well, not that I'm a professional footballer, but if, if I were to achieve that sort of thing and have it sort of a big question mark over it, you'd want to go and do it again. And knowing the way the players are and the manager is, they, they, you know, they'd be absolutely desperate to put that right. But, you know, that that's just further down the line and not maybe... Not the focus of people's concerns at the moment. You, you come in with such a sore head on most of these podcasts <laughs> that actually I, I hate to think how you'd be as a player. Um, <laughs> James, you, you've written about what the players are doing at the moment because Melwood's a little bit of a ghost town, isn't it? Yeah. Everyone's been given um, a routine, uh, diet requirements. Are they simply just doing this at home? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The players have been told um, that Melwood will be shut for a minimum of two weeks. Um, Liverpool obviously announced on Friday that um, after training, they were they were shutting the training ground down, um, and then since then, you know, there's a squad WhatsApp group where they're kept updated of all the developments. Um, each of them given their own individual fitness programs to keep to, but you know, there's only so much you can do. To be honest, and I spoke spoken to a few people, you know, players and staff, and you know, they they said you know, the, the vast majority of players do have treadmills and and and, and gym equipment, weights, and all the rest, enough enough that you need to to keep yourself ticking over um, it's hard it, to do the same intensity though no, isn't it exactly. at home if you if yeah. you say to someone work from home it's well, like any that, other yeah. job isn't well, it well just ask Simon yeah, <laughs> 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 um, James a new man over but I would imagine if you're a player you enter the gates of Melwood there's yeah. a different level oh, yeah. of um, expectation yeah. on you oh 100% yeah and, all, and you know you listen to the way that Klopp and especially Pep Linders talks and they talk about they train the way they play, you know, the intensity of every session and all the rest of it. And I know kind of probably by this end of this this stage of the season, there is a there is an easing off in terms of the physical mm. demands placed on players and a lot of it is rest and recovery. But it is, you know, a few of the people I spoke to said it's just a very surreal feeling. You know, this is supposed to be you know the real business end of the season that sense of excitement and you know building up to this you know what everyone thought was going to be this amazing finish to see Liverpool crown Premier League champions and now suddenly you know they're sat at home watching box sets and playing FIFA against each other mm. on on the PlayStation um and maybe using their a, children's five-a-side nets to uh, <laughs> to, to practice and penalties you know, or and something. they've been told obviously they can't go to public places you know they can't use gyms you know the, the, you know go to the public gyms or whatever they be told to keep themselves to themselves, and then they'll be updated on on development. So you know, and even the knock-on effect is huge. Even you know, spoke to a few agents who said everything is on hold at the moment. There's so much mm. uncertainty. Nobody knows what's what, what's going to happen. You know, that's that's just the situation the, we're in. The other thing to consider is when you know if and when they do get going again. Um, you know, the, it's not just a case of let's get the footy season going again. You know, get your gloves on. They're going to have to sort of work back to fitness the players as well yeah. you know and as I imagine 
some friendly matches involved as well. So how do you work around that? You know, I'd imagine somebody like Jurgen Klopp would be like, I would think, I don't know, any manager would, I'd imagine that wants at least a fortnight, three weeks to sort of work with the players and get them back to a level of fitness that's acceptable. You can't just expect them to go out and start playing again. So there's that issue as well. That, that will extend, I'd imagine that will end up extending the break, of, unless, of course, they make some sort of special, um, you know, uh, there's some sort of reason for the players or, to go back to Melwood a bit earlier than everybody else. But I know that last week, actually, I was told Liverpool had a... Um, just before the the day before the Atletico match, they had a, even though there was obviously a lot of uncertainty, the 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 under twenty threes were meant to be playing. I think a German team, I think it was Wolfsburg, Wolf, yeah. Wolfsburg and Accrington Stanley went in and played them instead. You know, behind closed doors, and the under twenty threes won two uh, 0 apparently. But you know that that's going to be, I'd imagine, the sort of thing that might be going on. Uh, you know, as and when possible. Yeah, I mean the the academy's in complete lockdown as well. They've shelved. All of the youth coaching, and then you know, even the, the majority of club staff in in Chapel Street have been told, you know, if you can work from home. So you know, the the, the club, you know, ev- everyone is in is in limbo at the moment, just like the rest of us, you know, w- waiting for developments. You know, we hopefully we'll know more on Thursday after the the, the Premier League clubs meet again. Uh, this is the red agenda. Uh, James Pearce, Simon Hughes, myself, Steve Hoversall. If uh, perhaps if you're in isolation, this is this is a while away. Forty five minutes of your time, hopefully. Uh, we'll have some of your questions coming up on the red agenda inbox um, shortly. J- just how have the club dealt with this? I mean, it's only a few days ago we were all at Anfield with a lot of travelling support from Madrid which is viewed as one of the hotspots for the coronavirus. People were raising questions last week. Um, it, it was one of the last major sporting events to take place, uh, bar maybe Cheltenham. Has everyone operated on uh, a similar level in terms of the Premier League clubs, do you think? Do you think it's been correctly approached? Did it catch them by surprise? Um, well, I think, as James mentioned before, you know, the, the whole episode of them saying that the... <laughs> The weekend fixtures are going to be plays, and then within an hour, obviously the, the manager, Arsenal's manager, getting the virus, and it clearly shows that you know that maybe the dialogue hasn't been perhaps what people might expect it to be. Do you think that comes from the lack of leadership it could in, be. in the country at large? Though, it could nobody, be. Yeah. A, nobody really knew. It, there was no real clear advice, was there, on how to it, handle it, things? Exactly. And, exactly. I mean, I, I know. Liverpool, um, certainly over the last fortnight, have been very clear that they're sticking with government recommendations, and they, they, they've they've you know they, they they've done exactly what they've been told. Which you know I don't think you can argue with that. Um, my personal view was, I actually can't believe that that game was allowed to go ahead yeah. against Atletico. Crazy. I just I just can't believe it. Just so. Complacent. Well, it seems that way now, doesn't yeah. it? The more you think about it in the aftermath of yeah, it. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's six days on from that game. I mean, if there's not an outbreak, a small, at least a small outbreak of the virus in Liverpool, I'd just be yeah. quite well, surprised. It, it, I don't want to sound alarmist, but yeah. it just seems impossible that, that there won't mm. be. You know, there was two or three thousand Atletico fans. Um, they, they couldn't watch football in their own city, they could they? Yeah. But they yeah. were allowed to, to they travel. They weren't to allowed to travel around Spain mm. to watch matches. They weren't allowed to watch games in their own ground but they were allowed to come here just I mean the the one thing I will say is is that obviously the decision to um, to close down Spanish football came on Monday and some of them had already arrived here by then so it is a fluid situation and it is isn't always difficult to make sure everything lines up but it just feels to me you know that, that there was at the very top end of the country I'm not talking about the football clubs because they're just they were trying to go with what they were being told it's you know that there's there was a certain level it feels to me like there's a level of complacency which that allowing thousands of people to come here from an infected area for a football match just reflects that right let's talk about the game itself and obviously a, a disappointing night for Liverpool we talk about that famous Anfield atmosphere created on a European night but I, I don't know for myself it didn't feel like it it ever quite hit that <laughs> moment even pre-match, maybe that was because of everything else that went round it. I don't know. Maybe you guys have got a different opinion on it. I, d- I yeah. didn't feel it hit the heights inside I Anfield. I don't know. Yeah, I, d- I, d- I know what you mean in a way. I thought there was a slightly surreal feeling to it, just with everything else. Yeah, I think it was the added narrative around it. Around yeah, it. But I, st- I still thought the atmosphere was 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 excellent. And 
you know, the, uh, and, and so was Liverpool's performance. I think mm. that's the, the the main thing. I think sometimes in in football these days, especially, there's such a knee jerk reaction to everything, and you see. I saw some like reports afterwards, you know, a, a Simeone masterclass and all this, and you know, they, you know, just you know, how, you know, he lulled Liverpool into this trap, and it was just absolute nonsense. You know, I thought Liverpool that was as, that was as good as Liverpool have played since they battered Leicester on Boxing Day. Yeah, sorry, um, my reference was to the atmosphere as opposed yeah, to the the, the play because yeah, Liverpool should have run away with yeah, the game, oh, yeah. shouldn't I mean, they? Especially second half, I thought you know, that second half performance mm. was was right up there. Um, you know, the only thing lacking was 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 that. That finishing touch, and you know, I could I couldn't believe I couldn't believe how many chances Liverpool created because that was my fear going into it that it, that it, you know, you just knew it was going to be one of those nights where Liverpool had seventy odd mm. percent possession, but it was like how do you get past that wall in front of you? How, you know how do they create chances? Well, creating chances wasn't the issue; it was taking them. You know, and you think about you know Robertson's header coming back off the bar, and you know Salah and Mane and Firmino all had chances as well, and and obviously when 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 Firmino finally finally does score you, you know you think well the script's written finally 11 months without a goal mm. at Anfield you know what a time to do it and then an inexplicable error at the other end completely transforms the game and you know I feel for Adrian because you know he did really well in early on in the season when he came into the side in place of, of Allison. but he's had a torrid couple of weeks you know he made an absolute dropped an absolute clangor at Stamford Bridge which played a big part in Liverpool going out of the FA Cup and then you know, you can't sugarcoat it. That mistake against Atletico, effectively, just just completely transformed the tie. I know, I know. You know, afterwards, you know, I had people on social media saying to me, "What are you on about? Atletico scored three times. Liverpool lost both legs. Why? You know, why are you going on about how well Liverpool played or how the significance mm-hmm. of that error?" But anyone with half a brain watching that game can see that the whole thing changed on that mistake because Liverpool were completely in the ascendancy. And then, you know, you could just see the belief just drain away from Liverpool after that. And then once they got the second one, you know, Liverpool just knew you weren't going to score twice in those last 15 Well, a case of two keepers, time. really, because yeah. Jan Oblak was just oh, sensational. You put him in the Liverpool goal, it's, and Adrian in the Atletico goal, yeah. Liverpool win 5 or 6 nil. Mm. I mean, Adrian has a, a, really big, a really big impact um, on the season. I think, I mean, Klopp is right to remind that... Um, the start of the season, you know, he, he he got Liverpool out of a bit of a hole, mm. you know, with 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 when Arsenal was injured, and, and and plays a crucial role in 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 that, and you know, but ultimately he is the second choice goalkeeper for a reason. Ultimately, he wasn't playing for West Ham last season for the reason, you know, there's a reason why that that that, that you know that that's the case. I mean, I just think um, Liverpool, I thought played very very well on the night, um, and. With with games like that, when it, there's extra time involved and you concede three goals, I can see what what people are saying because I, I was I was speaking to Jed uh, Raya after the game. Um, I was thinking Liverpool haven't surrendered a two goal lead at home in, in in years. I can't remember when that happens, and apparently it's only the fourth time in the club's history that's actually happened. Um, Things being fourth time in something like fourteen hundred games. The last time it happened was in nineteen forty six, <laughs> when Stan Mortensen, I think, scored twice for Blackpool. <laughs> Sorry to be a bit of a bore, but, but, but it's, it, so it was extraordinary. But then it, I think, well, it, it's the context of extra time, isn't it? Once you get mm. one, there's an increase in probability with Liverpool trying to push forwards that one might go in the you know in the other end. I think you've got to because um, there's gaps appeared and then the third one comes just because Virgil van Dijk's playing centre forward isn't he by the end of it um, so yeah I mean uh, it would have concerned me a little bit like that the Liverpool you know it's the first time Andy Robertson has lost a home lost a home game is that right? Yeah I think it's it first game he's yeah, lost a home yeah. game it's like his third season playing for Liverpool it's just incredible isn't it? Um, so yeah I mean it, it was it was a disappointing night and I came away from the grounds feeling pretty flat looking at my phone you know again there's you look at your phone and there's there's increasing talk about what's going to happen with the coronavirus and and um the fact that this champions league might get shut down and it was just a really odd odd night but in the game itself i thought it was a great um reminder really of i know there's a sort of a thing where people are like oh, champions league football it's you know, it's it's there's, there's too much of it, but I actually think when it's like that, it's brilliant. Even mm. if the, even Liverpool have 
of other teams have been on the receiving end of that sort of performance from Liverpool in Champions League games. And I thought the atmosphere was actually really lively, you know, and I, I thought the you know, there's great drama. I agree with James. I don't think it was a Simeone masterclass. It was Liverpool on another night may have won five nil. But I think what he did do was keep the, the, the team going. You know, it was quite clear you know, um, from the touchline, you could see he was just trying to cajole his players. At times, calm them down as well, because Liverpool were rampant for periods in the second half. It was just great drama, great unscripted drama, which, you know, I'll sort of, you know, haven't had, it's, it's not even a week, and I'm sort of missing it. It's like maybe one of the 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 byproducts of this sort of period will be people will have an increasing appreciation just for, the, I guess, the simplicity of football and stop, Sort of whinging about yeah, things. fascinating. Now, on the keeper's front, and it, it is hard to get a, a second-choice keeper who is of a certain level, isn't it? So I'm presuming yeah. Jurgen Klopp still has great faith in, in Adrian. You hear a lot of fans yeah, talk I, about, should there be a different second-choice keeper? You talked about the level he came from to arrive at Liverpool, but he has shown his worth, hasn't he, yeah. during his time there? It's I think, I, yeah, and Klopp's not one for knee-jerk reactions, is he? I don't, I don't think he would have suddenly changed his opinion on Adrian on the basis of, of those two mistakes, despite how costly they, they proved to be. Um, and, and you're right, it's is difficult. You know, people will say on the back of that, oh, we need to go and get another second choice, you know, a cheap keeper. But it's a difficult position to fill because it, mm. you know, you're trying to get someone of a particular level and of a particular experience, but someone who readily accepts really their place in the pecking order. And that's, you know, let's not make no bones about it. Any keeper coming to Liverpool knows that... You know, unless Allison is injured or suspended, you just simply aren't going to play. You know, there's no talk about oh, coming in to push him or because you know he's the best best in the world with our black. And so, no, I think, I mean, he's had a bad few weeks, Adrian, hasn't he? But I, I don't get the sense that Liverpool are looking to move him on. I mean, there was some speculation a while back about him potentially going back to Real Betis um, for next season, but. You know, like when I checked that out, Liverpool were like, you know, as far as we're concerned, he's he's still hanging around. I mean, there's a, there's a few decisions to make on the keepers front because obviously they they rate young Kelleher, the Irish goalkeeper, highly. But I think there's a feeling that he needs a loan next season because um, he's injured at the moment as as well as Allison. You know, damaged knee ligaments, um, and then you've got you know Camille Grabara. You know, they've got to make a decision on him. He's you know had a loan spell at, at Huddersfield. Um, there's Yaros, the Czech goalkeeper in the youth ranks, who they've got you know decent hopes for as well, and and of course Andy Lonergan, who you know hasn't hasn't got close to making a Liverpool debut this season, but you know I know John Activer kind of values his contribution in terms of as a training goalkeeper and the part that he's played on the on the training field. So um, yeah, but you know you can't get away from the fact it was a it was a tale of two keepers on the night because you know Oblak kept Atletico in the tie and then Adrian cost Liverpool the tie. Yeah, always tough to lose um, your hold on your crown, your title, if you like. Let's get some questions on the um, the, the Red Agenda inbox. Of course, it's the Red Agenda on The Athletic. Uh, I'm Steve Hothersall, James Pearce, Simon Hughes as well. We'll start with this one from LFC 2005. Potential outgoings in the summer and how much we'd expect to get for them. Are there obvious names leaving the fullback? You mentioned Adam Lallana before. Klein. So someone out of contract. Klein. Freeze, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nathaniel Klein. Shakiri, I think, will move on, won't he? Yeah, Dejan Lovren. I mean, the the one thing that... It's quite a bit in wages there, Simon, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, Well, I mean, the one thing Liverpool have done very, very well uh, over the last four or five years is is the outgoings and the fees that they've got. So I think they'd expect to get make a profit on somebody like Shakiri. There was interest in him in, in, in January, I think, and and obviously Lovren generated a bit of interest last summer, but he was he was ready to go last summer, basically, weren't he? The club were, yeah. were happy to let him go at that point. Um so they they they'd be the four, I would think. I mean, they, they will need replacing one way or another. Maybe, um, you know, they, you can't forget. I mean, uh, there's very difficult to assess the individual development of young players at Melwood who are training every single day. You know, I think Curtis Jones to me looks like he he can play a few more games. I actually thought he did all right at Chelsea. I thought, you know, he was one of the few sort of he showed he showed that he wasn't scared to play in a big venue you know and 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 he had so ready to have a consistent involvement I, can, I wouldn't say consistently more games i mean you forget it was he 18 19 still he's still he's influenced games this season I, I think i would like to see a bit more of him i think i think the club 
have, have a bit of faith in him, don't they? It seems to me now there was a bit of uncertainty maybe twelve months ago, um, which was based around his contract situation as well as his focus sometimes. But he seems to me to have matured a little bit, so you'd expect him to to to, to move up a little bit. But you know, they, they, they clearly need to make a couple of signings. I would think I, I can't see it being <coughs> a quite like as, as quiet a summer as it was last summer when only only Adrian came in. Obviously, we've spoken about. Timo Werner, should we talk about him again? No, okay. Um, you know, and, and I, I guess there's about ten questions about Timo oh, Werner on here. Yeah. Just Any update? In, in no. terms, of, in terms of out, uh, other outgoings, I think Shakiri's an interesting one because in January Liverpool rebuffed all the interest that that, that was shown in him, uh, but said you know that they wanted him on board for the second half of the season, but would be willing to sell him in the summer for kind of twenty twenty five million. Now the fact he hasn't really kicked a ball since, and he's had this you know, recurring calf problem, I think will clearly hamper their chances of getting a fee of that size for him. Um, but if he can get himself fit, you'd imagine he would be one that would be looking to move on. Um, Lovren, I think they'd be looking for about 15 million for. And then I think the, the other ones that will be interesting is what offers come in for like Harry Wilson and Marco Gruwich. You know, they'd be two players who Klopp's got big decisions to make. It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me you know, obviously, I mean, it's hypothetical at the moment in terms of, you know, God knows when pre-season even starts. Um, but, you know, I think the initial plan was to have both of those come back to the club. You know, they'd have a part to play in the early stages of pre-season, especially when Klopp expected the Euros and the Copper America to have an impact on pre-season plans and then make a final judgment call on them. I think, I still think Wilson and Gruwich are probably not quite at the level that, that Liverpool because that's that's the difficulty now for young players is you know the bar is set so so high it's not like you know I think back to what was it probably 2012 under Brendan Rodgers when you had people like Suso and Andre Wisdom making 15 20 appearances or something in a season you know Shelby and people like that even you know it's that that's just that's just not where Liverpool are operating now so someone like Harry Wilson you know I think he's had a great taste of it at Bournemouth you know, I think I think he's you know Liverpool would be thinking twenty million probably for him. I, I think that's not unrealistic to think, you know, especially especially if Bournemouth stay up. You know, you'd imagine they'd be desperate to keep hold of him. And you know, if they paid nineteen million for Solanke, then then, then God knows what Wilson's worth. And the same with Gruwich. You know, he's he's had a decent enough season at Hertha Berlin on loan. Um, I really like him, but I'm just not quite sure that that you know he's he's not a kid anymore, is he, Gruwich? And but again, I think they'd, they'd be looking at fifteen million. Probably minimum, maybe even twenty for him. So have have we seen looks. enough of him? I mean, I remember him playing a bit of pre-season for Liverpool. Yeah, he looked, he looked that great incredible, goal against Barcelona at Wembley, yeah. didn't he? And, and then, of course, he went away, and you think he's earning his stripes, and he's probably thinking that as well. Have Liverpool sent consistent envoys out there to monitor his progress? Is that how that would work, or just get constant videos back where? Jurgen can see his development. Yeah. Um, what's the name of the, the loans guy? Julian Ward. Julian yeah. Ward, yeah. yeah. Julian Ward. You know, I know he's been out there quite a few times to, to watch him. Obviously, the, the Bundesliga um, is a league that the manager knows everything about. So, you know, I'd imagine he'd be talking to people about his performances against various teams. I, I've I've always been quite impressed by him. I mean, he, he can't, he's obviously such a physical-looking player, so tall, very imposing. Um you know, you can't help but notice him when he's on the pitch. Um, I mean, I do think, I do wonder, you know, whether Klopp, he's constantly trying to find a way of evolving the team, isn't he? Trying to keep ahead of the curve, you know, like he doesn't want to find himself in a situation where other teams are. Because all all, manage, all tactical systems get figured out eventually, don't they? Not figured out, but it becomes easier to play against when, when, when more and more teams... Um, you know, sort of get results against against teams, so the conversation starts again. I mean, I think Klopp will be looking at ways of just making little tweaks to 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 make his team that little bit less predictable. Not, I'm saying that they are predictable, but you know, the the, the that often falls with the relationship between the midfield and the forward line, doesn't it? Who who can you just change a little bit? Who can offer something a bit different at certain times? I wonder whether he's thinking about that. Because that's of that's often the criticism, isn't it, of Liverpool when things aren't going well? Oh, they don't have that sort of player in midfield. You can p- provide that killer pass, but then I, I'm conscious of the fact that he's managers very aware that they need those sort of uh, work horses in midfield to to do the legwork for so a lot of the other attacking players can can play. So it'll be interesting to see how he thinks about that, whether that's at the forefront of his mind at the moment. I'm, yeah. I'm not entirely when, sure. When Naby Keita was supposed to be that yeah, man, wasn't exactly, he? He was supposed exactly. to be. 
you know, the one who offered something different, you know, that kind of X factor in midfield in games where, you know, you can't just rely on, you know, maybe where he sometimes plays safe and goes for control and experience in midfield. You know, Cater was that man who could, you know, burst through lines and be creative and, but it, you know, for for a whole host of reasons, it just hasn't happened for him yet. As I, I just don't, I think I get the impression that Klopp hasn't lost faith in him. I don't think I'd be amazed if Liverpool did kind of cut their losses. And because I, I still think, you know, the way that Klopp operates, you know, I think he will still think I can still get the best out of this fella. And he would all. I think I don't think he'll admit defeat in terms of of Cater. It's just been one thing after another, hasn't it? We've only ever seen mm. flashes of brilliance from from Cater, but you know. He, he, People always talk about someone who's hardly played a part in a season, potentially being classed as a new signing ahead of the the following season, don't they? But um, you know, he, he kind of fits in that bracket because again, you know, so much of what Liverpool have achieved in this season, you know, hasn't hasn't really involved Naby Keita, and it would be nice to think that that his Liverpool career will will still come alive because. He, when he, when he does perform at a decent level, the potential is there for everyone to see. Yeah, fills you with massive hope, doesn't yeah. he? Obviously came with a big billing as well. Um, it'd be interesting to see what happens with the transfer window. You mentioned it before, wh- whether it gets moved, whether it affects players' thoughts yeah. on coming to teams you know, in the, in the Premier League <laughs> from abroad. Know, There's a lot of knock-on yeah. effects that are going to come from the current health situation, which we probably don't even realise yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've spoken to a couple of agents this week as well and you know, they're, they're on lockdown. It's difficult for them. You know, and, and there's one agent that I know in particular who's just constantly on the road every day going around. He's got players all over the country, a lot of young English players, and they're unable to, to go and see them. You know, so a big part of his sort of work is, is the relationship that he has with these players and making sure that they feel like they're valued. And that's been a large degree, you know, that, that, that explains a lot of his success with, with these players. And, He's concerned, you know, are they thinking I'm forgetting about them? You know, young footballers tend to need quite a lot, a lot of attention as well, you mm. know. So he's constantly on the phone with them all day, every day. It's 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 just a strange world. I don't think we can second guess what will happen at all. As I said, will Jürgen Klopp be thinking about it? I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure he will be because eventually football, I would think, hopefully will start again. So he's never been one to be... He's never doesn't strike me as somebody who... Who falls behind? You know, he's always trying to keep keep ahead of the pack, isn't he? That's been one of the main reasons why Liverpool have been able to to, to sort of be successful. So this might give him the opportunity, the downtime, to really think about the direction of the team if it needs to be thought about to that level. You might be thinking, you know, about how how to change the team, how to how to do things differently, what he wants to change. It might be the break that, <laughs> in his perverse way, the, the Klopp has been looking for. I don't want to put it like that, but you know what I mean. He, he obviously. Sometimes it benefits from the players to have a break, and it sometimes might just allow him to, to, to think a bit differently about the way things are going. I, d- I do think the Atletico defeat did show the importance of, of the summer window whenever that whenever that does actually come up in terms of strengthening Liverpool's mm. attacking options. Because I think you only had to look at, you know, of course the game did turn on Adrian's mistake, but you know if Liverpool had been more clinical and ruthless, it wouldn't have got to that point. And even then, after that, if I think if they'd had you know, a potent weapon to bring on off the bench. They could have eat, they could have still salvaged it, but there wasn't a left, no, enough gas left in the tank. I think, you know, we've seen it time and time again this season. There is too much of a golfing class between the front three and Origi and 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 those kind of in, in reserve. You know, you look at the impact that Lorente made, and you know, even Morata coming off the bench for Atletico, and you know, Divock Origi will always be cherished at Liverpool because of the, the the crucial goals that he's scored and and all the rest of it but for whatever reason he hasn't kicked on this season as we all hope that he that he, that he would have done um and as, and especially and again obviously this is now up in the air as well with the situation but with with the Africa Cup of Nations coming in as as things stand still midway through next season and potentially the Olympics and all the rest of it and also I think you just can't go on and on relying so heavily on that front three you do need a fourth I think elite attacking option I, if, if you're serious about maintaining the challenge on you know on the on the two main fronts I agree I remember I mean everybody's different aren't they but I remember David Fairclough and he was the the sub wasn't he that always came on and I remember him saying it, it takes a lot mentally out of you to to have that position because there's always that expectation he's going to come on and change it 
And obviously, Origi's been doing that for 18 months, really, now. He just, I, I the last, you know, he hasn't affected many games, has he, the, the second half of this season. Maybe it's just, you know, a role that somebody can do for a certain amount of time before, you know, it becomes quite difficult. Maybe he does need to go out and become the number one striker at a club and, and play more games because it's quite clear, you know, he's not up to the level of the other players at Liverpool. He has had a great impact on... Liverpool's modern history, you can't deny that, but there always comes a time where, you know, I just think it's going to be difficult for him to continuously doing that. I just, there's not many players in, in the history of football who's been able to do it, really. I mean, you might say Solskjaer at United was a bit of that, but if you actually look at most of his goals, he were when he started, so... It's a bit of a myth, I think, that the super sub tag. Uh, it's the, what, 43rd anniversary of David Fairclough's oh, super wow. sub, sub goal this oh, week. Yeah. Oh, 43 years. James is writing a big piece of yeah. um, Right, let's finish on some more light-hearted things. Uh, Moley said, is it worthwhile getting Bruce Grobelar tested? <laughs> Uh, because all season he's talked about the fact that he weed on the post at Anfield. So, of course, Bruce very much into his... Um, <laughs> witch doctory from his time of course in Africa he talks about it a lot and it is true he had a little whittle on the post didn't he and claimed that this would win Liverpool the title it doesn't seem to have worked James <laughs> <laughs> well we don't know maybe it's well, delayed things yeah. um, let's go on from there I'm not sure there's much we can add on that one um, there was another one here let me just pick it out if they do make, make the season null and void should we get Chris Maloney round to write a protest song <laughs> Is that the worst? Is that the worst possible answer to the end of the season? Do, yeah, do you think Liverpool might go on with that to Thursday's Premier League meeting as a, <laughs> yeah. as, a as a veiled threat if you don't if you don't let us win our, our rightful title? Oh. So, uh, and we've got to finish by saying congratulations to James. He has actually turned up today, uh, despite probably having DOMS, which has delayed uh, onset muscle oh, fatigue. Yeah, yeah, hasn't yeah, he? he did the Liverpool half oh, marathon yeah, yeah, just yeah, a few course, days yeah. ago, and on time as well, which is <laughs> unprecedented. Phenomenal. What did you run it in, James? Uh, one hour fifty-four. Yeah, 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 it was a a bit of a struggle the uh, the last five or six miles, but um, yeah, got round there in one piece. I I did have some fellow uh, Liverpool fan pat me on the back towards the end, and he said, "Come on, we can do this. If we do this together, <laughs> they'll give us the league." <laughs> and I did think I'm not quite sure that that's going to have any influence on where when when and where the Premier League title's dished out, but it, it gave me a little pick me up for the last mile into a into a strong headwind along the uh, along the promenade Simon who says there's no professional sport taking place in our city <laughs> unbelievable James Pierce is holding the torch yeah a proper athlete what did you do afterwards James uh, about nine pints a <laughs> and a big and a big roast dinner boys we'll attempt to reconvene in a week's time thank you very much thanks to Leaf in the city centre for hosting us today uh, that was the red agenda on the athletic loads of great articles on there the boys have written a few there's a great one by Ollie Kay as well uh, but of course um, the athletic throughout the course of the week will be updating those and there is still a 40% discount if you use the promo code Liverpool pod hope that makes sense we'll see you next week on the red agenda <laughs>